Well, our Bible reading tonight is from Psalm 119. So if you've got the church Bible, you are on page 620. 620. Because we're going to be reading from verse 97. So Psalm 119, starting to read at verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Beautiful verses there. And the writer says that he loves God's law. You know, it's something, isn't it, when you get a communication from somebody at just the right moment. I vividly remember going away to my first camp when I was 10 years of age. I was utterly homesick. I said, I'm never going to go to that camp again. Then halfway through the camp, a letter arrived from my mum. And the whole world changed. I treasured what she had sent to me. And when it came to going to camp a year later, you couldn't have stopped me. I loved it. But that letter meant so much. Changed all the circumstances of being utterly homesick. And here we read, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it all day long. Of course, now, when my phone goes ding, and I'm abroad somewhere, and I see it's a text from Judy, I have the same reaction. And it's from somebody I love, and I love the message that she sends to me. It's not a burden to read it. I don't say, oh, I haven't got time to read that. Not at all. And for us, as believers in the Lord Jesus, it's not a burden to read the Bible, It's a message from the one who loves us and has got something so important to say to each one of us. We read about 
loving God's law. Now, of course, sometimes we think law, well, that means speed limits and parking restrictions. But it's not that kind of thing that is being spoken about here. Remember, the writer only had the first few books of the Bible. We've got many more in the Old Testament plus the New Testament. God's law means the ways that God wants to communicate to those he loves, not just rules. They're all about walking in a loving obedience with the Lord, with all of our hearts. And the effect that it has when we love our neighbors, and that's reflected in our lives as we think of the purpose of living very interesting that in the very chapter in Deuteronomy where the Ten Commandments are given, we read these words, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Right there amongst all the thou shalt nots, is the fact that God is a loving, forgiving, gracious God. So no wonder the writer of this psalm says, I love God's law. And loving God's word leads us to wisdom and insight. Your commands are always with me and make me wise than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. God's word reveals to us an amazing truth that the world's philosophers could never imagine. And so many of these philosophers come up with hopeless statements. For example, Andre Morawa said, the universe is indifferent. Who created it? Why are we here on this puny mud heap spinning in infinite space? I've not the slightest idea, and I'm not quite convinced that no one has. And yet you find that in the heart of man is that spiritual void that needs to be filled. And so sometimes it's quite astonishing what people look to to fill that gap. This week I read in the newspaper about the Berlin Wall. always interests me because we spent so much time near it. And here we read that homeopaths believe that the treatment from the Berlin Wall can do something good. The Berlin Wall homeopathic treatment, also known as Murus Berlininus, is a heavily diluted water and alcohol-based solution based on minuscule fragments from the Berlin Wall. Homeopaths believe the treatment contains a spiritual force from the wall that can help people with problems creating or breaking down barriers in their lives. And it's selling for a mere 72 pounds for 100 milliliters. Now my eyes lit up here because once we were there by the Berlin Wall waiting for our our, uh, call group to arrive from Moscow at uh, East Berlin Railway Station and we saw a huge piece of the Berlin Wall and we lifted it, took it up, put it in the back of our trailer and brought it back to the manor. But I can't say we've known anything about that spiritual force from the Berlin Wall. I would have thought it would have been evil rather than positive. But there are people paying, how much was it? £72 for a tiny bottle of dissolved Berlin Wall. So there is in the heart of man a spiritual void. 
But we know the answer through God's word. It leads us to wisdom and insight. And what is the purpose of the universe? Well, it's clear in the Bible that the whole purpose of the universe is to prepare the bride of Christ. There is to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we, the Christians from across the ages and across the world, are to be his eternal companion with all the purposes he's got that stretch on into eternity. We're described as co-heirs with Christ. So the purpose of the universe and this planet and all that has happened is to prepare us for a whole future with the Lord. Ephesians chapters 3 and 5 speak about this profound mystery, but we know what the purpose is. And that leads, therefore, on to us to obey God. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I've not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. I find this graphically illustrated in one of the ways of looking at the Song of Songs. A story of a village girl who'd been snatched by one of Solomon's snatch squads and taken to Solomon's harem. But she's in love with a shepherd boy who she's engaged to be married to away in the hills. And there in the harem in Jerusalem, she misses him. Tell me, whom you whom I love, where you graze your flock, and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman, that is, a lady in mourning, beside the flocks of your friends? And she refuses to cooperate with Solomon, who's gone way away from God's law. He's got a thousand women in his life, 300 wives, 700 concubines, and her heart longs for the shepherd boy, out in the hills that she loves. And she's determined to remain true to that shepherd boy. And she obeys, not Solomon, but the love that she has for the shepherd boy. It's a motivation of love. And that's the motivation we have for obeying our shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And so we read in that fascinating book how she avoids every attempt to lure her away from her love for the shepherd boy in the hills and surrender to Solomon. She avoids every trap. And we, like that girl in the harem, live in the world where every attempt is made to lure us away from devotion to our shepherd. But in our hearts we long to obey the one we love, the Lord. And the world uses all kinds of ways to lure Christians away, if possible, from a wholehearted devotion to him. He is our heavenly bridegroom. We are betrothed to him. The Bible makes that clear. In 1 John 2 verse 15 we read, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in him. Jesus himself said in John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, 
He is the one who loves me. We know that girl in the harem in Jerusalem genuinely loved her shepherd because she remained true to him, despite Solomon's flattery and bribery and offers of jewelry and so on, displays of his power. And the world tries to lure us away by its stuff and time-wasting so that we no longer have a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. James 4, verse 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, Paul, in writing about the Corinthian believers, says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. And that's the goal of all of our lives. That's the purpose of Christian service, to encourage one another to have a pure love for the Lord. We are engaged, betrothed to him. And that leads to an ever deeper love. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The girl in the harem thinks of the things that her shepherd boy had said to her. He'd said, arise my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And the more she thought of words like that, that he'd used to speak to her, the more her love deepened for her and her commitment to him, even though she's separatedly living from him. And we have the words of the Lord expressing his amazing love for us in the scriptures. He actually said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you the same measure of love as the Father has for the Son. Sweet words, remarkable. Our shepherd expresses through his word his love for us in Numerous verses that are similar to that. That, therefore, leads us to choosing the right path. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. Up in Scotland, we relied upon a sat-nav in the car to take us from Edinburgh to Aberdeen. But they built a lot of new roads near Edinburgh, and no one had told the car. So the consequence was the lady stopped speaking and a sign came up which said simply, off road. Well, we knew we weren't off a road. We weren't in a field or in a lagoon or something. But fortunately, I also had a human guide called Judy and she was able to take us along the right path when the robot plastic lady had failed And in the harem, for this girl, it was frightening and confusing, but love motivated her to choose the difficult but true path in every situation. Now, some may seem to succeed 
without following God's way. I suppose the startling example of that is Jeffrey Epstein, who's just committed suicide, convicted paedophile. He left $577 million. But what road was he on? Where has he gone? I think we can say that he was on a broad road that led to destruction. Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? It's very encouraging to realize the value God places on each one of us. In Ephesians 1 verse 4 we read, God chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now, we can't get our heads around that because we are locked into time. But you and I were chosen before God made the world. And in chapter 2, verse 10, we, that's us, individually and as a group, are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So we can keep on trusting and obeying. And I know, if you're like me, You'd really like to have an email which sort of set out the next few months and years. And you'd better confidently say, yes, God's got it sorted. Look, he's told me exactly what's going to happen. But of course, to develop our trust in our heavenly bridegroom, our shepherd, he doesn't tell us much in advance. And we just have to keep on trusting him. And that's where God's word is so important. There was a plane in the Second World War that was flying back to North Africa, and it was lost. And eventually, the remains of the plane and the crew were found. And what had happened was that they had had a powerful tailwind pushing them along. And they came over where their instruments said the aerodrome was. But they said to one another, we can't be there yet. The instruments must be wrong. And they flew on and flew on until they ran out of fuel. And we need to keep trusting God's word. Even if it doesn't quite seem to say what we think we would like it to say, it's fully trustworthy. Jeremiah 6.16 we read, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So from choosing the right path, we come to trusting in every situation that we encounter. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Because of her promise to her shepherd that she's in love with, the girl puts up with the mocking of the harem women. And you read the kind of thing that they said to her. How is your beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? And she replied, he is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. Solomon had nothing to offer in comparison And the world does mock us for believing that Jesus is God and that he came to this planet to rescue us. They mock us for saying 
He comes before anything and anybody in our lives. He is outstanding among 10,000. We've made a vow to follow him, and he will preserve our lives for eternity. Now, for those in North Korea, that means terrible persecution. But he promised nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that leads on to a praising heart. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. We offer willing praise, prayers, songs, not because of religious demands that Oak Hall Church imposes on us. It's because we love him. And God's word means so much to us and gives us numerous reasons for praising the one with whom we will be the heavenly bride for the whole of eternity. I'm sure if Nakita was asked about her marriage to Sam and what she thought of him, she'd be full of admiration and praise for Sam. There's nobody else I've ever met like him. Why? Because... She's in love with him, and she's betrothed to be married next Saturday, right here. Willing praise. You can try that out afterwards. I'm sure I'll be proved right there. And in Revelation 8, verse 4, we read of the smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hands. Our prayers of praise and thanksgiving go very directly into the throne room of God and they are part of what God appreciates from those of us who are living on this planet. And that leads to remaining faithful to the end. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I've not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. We are determined, aren't we, not to forget God's law or to stray from following the Lord Jesus. We had a very clear message this morning, didn't we? As we were told, that takes self-control, perseverance, determination, commitment, but we love him and his statutes and our hearts are joyfully set on loving him. And in the Song of Songs, this girl expresses her determination, particularly when she talks about the type of love that she has for the shepherd boy somewhere out in the hills. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. And that's the kind of love we have for the Lord. Well, that girl remains true to her shepherd, And in the end, because she won't cooperate with him, Solomon releases her. And we see her coming up out of the desert. And she's released. 
She's reunited with her shepherd, and we read of them going off into the spice-filled mountains together. Her love, her commitment, has proven to be so worthwhile. And the time is coming when we're going to be released from this world. Happened for John last night. But the one who loves us has prepared a place specifically for us. He knows us individually, and he's got what is the very best for us. Revelations chapters 19 and 21 speak of this marriage supper of the Lamb and the heavenly bride beautifully dressed for her husband. We will be united for the whole of eternity with our heavenly bridegroom. We're going to reign with him as his eternal companion. What an amazing future each one of us has. No wonder the psalmist could say, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Well, let's take a moment to talk about what we've been saying. And a question is going to go up on the screen here. Which of these stand out as especially significant to you this coming week as you love God's word? So there's the list, and we'll bring them around as a piece of paper as well. And you can discuss that for the next few minutes. Thank you.